everyone, and welcome to the Hyper Voice. I am your host, Alex Underhill, and today joining me is Chris Dazzo. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> and also joining me is Danny Hemchand. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, and so I'm. You might have noticed I actually pronounced Chris Danzo's name wrong, but we Chris has had a lot of funny name jokes going on this weekend uh, in uh, Madison Regionals. Uh, that's where we all were, and so we're all actually together for this recording. We've got a fun show. We're going to be talking about, obviously, the main event that happened over the weekend and uh, a couple of other things that have just come up in conversation since uh, when you're hanging out with a lot of other VGC players, VGC topics come up, and so thought of a couple of things to add to the show. Steven uh, did show up to Madison Regionals, but since the three of us are together right now, we're just going to be recording just us, get something out to you guys because uh, we want to keep content coming out. But uh, I guess the uh, main thing that we're going to be talking about is obviously the main event, Madison Regionals. So that just concluded today as we're recording this. Um, and it was a pretty fun tournament. Um, what did you guys think? Like, uh, uh, like I guess, well, let's first generally talk about uh, what did you think of the event of Madison, like just coming to Madison? Uh, I enjoyed Madison a lot, actually. I, I keep talking about it. It was the best regional I've been to. It was the venue is beautiful. The venue is actually the most beautiful venue I've been to. Outside was great. Inside was great. Everything about it was great. Everyone was nice. Uh, in terms of how it was ran, it was ran perfectly, actually. I, they were on time with everything. They had a schedule for it. Mm -hmm. There were a few issues I had, I guess. Like, they kept us on the same system as TCG. That was a little bit weird. They don't always do that, yeah. But, yeah. I um, mean, it was, like, it was weird because it kept going. Like, like we'd have to, we'd finish a round, and then we'd be sitting around for like another twenty minutes or so. And it kind of like gets a little draining after a while because you're like, I want to play Pokemon, mm -hmm. and you, like you, you have that drive to play, and you never actually you have to wait pretty much. I heard that from like pretty much everybody I talked to this weekend is just you know people ready for that next round. Like I'm you know undefeated so far, I want to keep this hot streak going, or I just came off a loss and it's like, but I just need to get back in the game. I don't want to be dwelling on this loss right now. And so just that idle time, I don't feel like many VGC players are a fan of it. They just kind of want to go game to game. Yeah, but to jump on that, um, in their defense, I've been to regionals where the waits have been a lot longer. Yeah, than sure. Wisconsin. That no, it was definitely long. not poorly run. It's just it was a little weird that we were on the TCG kind of schedule instead of you know being like totally separate tournaments which it could have been but uh still really well run like the tournament we were done uh by i don't know exactly what time on the first day like it was about seven thirty. Seven. okay and yeah so it, it seemed like it could have been worse uh for eight rounds but it it was good i was uh i mean you got to consider we did get a lunch break also lunch break and there was an hour lunch break which yep. we normally don't get yeah i really honestly that was probably one of the biggest kudos i can give to them mm -hmm. um usually i go to regionals and I'm so focused on the game that I don't eat all day, and by the end of the day, I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> and so having a break, getting to eat. I know a lot of people want to run into that next game, mm -hmm. but a lot of times I like to think. Um, yeah. I like to reflect, and I like to consider, I guess, my plans and options for future games. Yeah, reflection um, is a really cool point. So having having that extra time. Also, shout out to the Starbucks that was like a block away, <laughs> because I live on caffeine. Yeah, yeah. And having that readily available was uh, really good for me. So, uh, I guess now I'll ask you, Danny, like, what did you think of the tournament, though, uh, in general? Um, I mean, I had a very similar experience to Chris. I, I, I've never been out here. Mm -hmm. um, we usually keep to about East Coast tournaments. Yeah. So, uh, Virginia, Massachusetts, when that was still around, um, Philly. Philly. Yeah. Uh, we've never really come out to the Midwest, and it was only this year that I actually started traveling more. Mm -hmm. um, I also went to Anaheim. Um, 
Wisconsin is by far the best regionals I've probably been to. Yeah. Um, in terms of the venue location, it was gorgeous. Like you, you, in between rounds, being able to go out and just sit out by a lake. Yeah. That's really. Nice. It's really unique about that yeah. venue. It's just a beautiful place. Beautiful um, view. In terms of tournaments, the way it was run, I thought it was run very well. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I've been to regionals where the wait's been a lot longer than what they've gone. Um, so the fact that I had to wait maybe an extra couple minutes for uh, TCG to end, I, I'd be okay with that rather than um, other events where I've waited like an hour for yeah. the next. Yeah, yeah. We got out of there pretty timely. Uh, started at like around 8 when we were checking in and everything and uh, played the game, started the games at around 10. Uh, also, uh, I know you guys got to hear it, but uh, we all had like Veronica Taylor and uh, Eric Stewart, I believe yeah. is the name. They're the voice of Ash from the Pokemon anime, and we had uh, the Eric Stewart, who that's Veronica Taylor, uh, who voices Ash, and Eric Stewart voicing Brock and James. That was really cool to be able to experience. They apparently voiced the opening announcements, which I had missed because I was on stream round one, and so I had my noise-blocking headphones <laughs> oh, you, in. You missed out. Just missed having out. a personal <laughs> conversation with Justin Karras and the judge, but it, it was not like bad or anything. That was still cool. But uh, and it's fun to you know get the chance to be on stream. But missing the intro, uh, I, I just want to hear about it from you guys. Uh, it was interesting. I'm, I am someone who like, I kind of, when I sat down, I wanted to get right into it, mm-hmm. and I, I appreciated what they did. But like, I could tell it was more for the kids and everything, or the true Pokemon fans. And I'm a true Pokemon fan, but like, I guess it's in a way I don't. Did it drag on? You were in it game dragged mode. on, and it was a little cringy, I guess, in a way. Mm, yeah. But I, I heard it was, was a script. Yeah, it was scripted pretty much, but it was really cool, and it was like, like she really did sound like Ash. I was at first, like at first, it was kind of there, and all of a sudden, like she really started to sound like. She him, warmed up to like, it, I guess. Yeah, I was like, what the, oh my goodness, this is amazing, but then, like I said, it dragged on a little bit, and I kind of wanted to get into it, but mm-hmm. it's still cool to see it in there. It's really. That's like something new that they brought to the table, and it's something that maybe more regionals will try to do. Maybe bring some, some like, little outside extra thing to like really push people to want to go, and to give the the true Pokemon fans like something to enjoy out of it. Mm-hmm. I do think it was a little different at this tournament because it was uh, actually at Ohanacon is what it was yeah. at, happening over the weekend, and so that was another reason that we had these uh per- like these not like these. Like celebrities are there, or like voice actors, if you want to call them that, which, yeah, they are, I guess. I'm not wrong in calling them that, I hope not. Uh, but uh, it was cool that it was a convention, you know, there was like some stand set up. Uh, and There's so, some cosplay, too. Co- yeah. Oh, yeah, there was a cosplay contest. Some seriously talented people there. Uh, really cool to see people dressed up in costume, because, you know, sometimes you see that, like, at the bigger tournaments, like regionals and nationals, but not to, like, this extent. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people just showing their love for video games. I appreciate that, because I'm a big video game fan. Uh, as I think we all are, you know, if we're playing video games competitively, (laughs) traveling around to play video games. Uh, So that's cool that, yeah, you brought up that. And, uh, yeah, some stands set up, uh, lots of stuff to do and look at. uh, Really cool. Um, I really enjoy being at Madison. Like, it's not my first time being there. It was actually my first regional back in 2015. Uh, So it was really cool to have that be, like, my first experience at a regional. It just was a really nice... (laughs) event it was still best of one then so you know but it was set the bar high for you though but yeah like it was a really good looking place um yeah i was actually and then went to indy you know it was just interesting experience i was actually really nervous coming here because like i started after like i 
booked my tickets, I was kind of like a little bit regretting it. Mm -hmm. I was a little worried. I kind of wanted to cancel. Mm -hmm. But like, I'm really happy I came. They really made me feel like they they kind of like gave me. I, I don't want to sound like harsh in a way, but, but they, they gave me hope again and like just how well these tournaments can be ran and everything. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Because I remember back in 2014, these tournaments were ran a little bit better. 2015, especially, there were some tournaments that were ran pretty well. Yeah. But like, so it's kind of felt like they've been dragging out a little more, and they've been having more and more errors. And this one was just straight down to the point. Everyone was there. Everyone had a plan. They knew what they were doing. It was really, it was just like, it was new to me. And also, I never, like Danny said, I have never actually been past the East Coast mm -hmm. for them, except for re nationals one time. So, I actually don't get to see as many play like players outside of the East Coast region unless they come to us. So it was cool to see people like Andrew, like Justin Burns, mm -hmm. like you. Like yeah, I, yeah. It's like hanging out right now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, for sure. It's really cool. You don't I wanted get to see those kind of players over there. Um, I wanted to ask you, Danny. Uh, you know, since you had mentioned you had traveled to Anaheim earlier this year, and you've traveled here now to Madison, uh, and this is something that you kind of started this year. Uh, have you been enjoying it, traveling out to Pokemon events, getting to see people that you don't normally see? Uh, yeah, actually, um, it's it's cool because with Pokemon, you kind of tend to build more relationships online than anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Just the name of the game. Um, a lot of people do their practice on Showdown, or I'll message people for help on Twitter. Um, yes. And it's a lot of times I don't see these people on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's usually a good rule of thumb not to talk to people in your immediate area because if you tell them your team oh, or you yeah, build with them, point. they know what you're running. Um, but I, I had a great excuse to go to Anaheim. My brother lives in L.A. Yeah, yeah. So I used that as an excuse. Um, and I went out and I, I loved it. It was my first time on the West Coast. Uh, I got to eat a lot of the food. Uh, pizza sucks in California, okay. but tacos are amazing. You're so. a big pizza guy, so you know, <laughs> it's important to try it while you're over there. Yeah, exactly. Um, the venue itself uh, in Anaheim, if you wanted a review on that, it was actually pretty small, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Uh, but the tournament ran pretty well. Um, mm -hmm. If I'm not mistaken, Anaheim was run by uh, Jen, uh, uh, which is our, our East Coast TO. I'm not positive on that, but um, it sounds I'm like pretty sure it was. Do. Maybe it, head it, judge or something. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, ran, it ran fairly smooth. Mm -hmm. um, and then, but it definitely wasn't a venue like right on the lake. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, we talked already a bit about Madison, your experience there, so, um, really cool, and yeah, it's cool, like, I like that you mentioned, uh, you know, meeting players online, like, that's how I met both of you guys, and, uh, it's, you're two people that I would love to, like, you know, see at many events, but, you know, you don't always get those ch the chance, because you guys are all on the East Coast, and I'm in the Midwest, and so, uh, we don't have the same events, they don't line up very, as often, and so, like, it, then it just becomes, you know, nationals, and then potentially worlds, you know, two events a year to see uh like closer friends and so that's why traveling i think is definitely worth it in uh, pokemon you know to get these people that to get to see these people you rarely see and so that's a really cool part of it speaking of worlds congratulations dude you got your invite hey congratulations to you too man let's go <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so um chris and i both did earn our invites over the weekend um it was uh pretty close like for both of us um Danny is still working on it. He's here crying right now. No, I'm just kidding. But slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. It'll happen. Every bit counts. Uh, he still earned CP over the weekend. So, you know, working on that grind. But, yeah, Chris and I, uh, I was within 50 points uh, just after gaining points in the IC over the past uh, weekend. And then 
Chris, you were about how many points away? I was I was at 415 before this event. So yeah, just at like 85, and so that uh, you ended up getting top 16, and a top 16 finish puts you five points away, which was like in a way like heartbreaking because you bubbled out of top eight um, by a small margin, you know, because you finished 11th place or so, yeah. but. There was the chance, you know, if your opponents had done well enough to improve your resistance. But you were five points away, and then Sunday a PC was held, and so you ended up playing in there. And, and I got it. That was scary, too. That PC had a lot of good players in it. As you would expect, you know, a PC following a pretty, like, pretty stacked, stacked regional. regional. So uh, really cool to see, like, uh, a lot of strong players have come out to this event. I expected it to be bigger. We ended up with 133 Masters, mm -hmm. uh, and I thought that Madison was one of the more popular events of the season. I guess it was pretty small last year, if I'm talking about it in comparison. But, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like uh, it was kind of cool to see all these people travel out to uh, this large event and get to compete with so many strong players, even if it is like scary and threatening, you know, at least that's what you want to be doing. You want to be competing against the best and proving yourself that you can win despite the competition. Yeah, yeah 100%. I mean, if you're, if you're playing this game and you're actively competing and you're trying to get to Worlds, you got to beat the best players. Mm -hmm. That's just the name of the game. I love that, uh, yeah, that mentality. And, you know, like when people talk about things kind of like CP grinching when people like go to events even though they've already like got worlds and stuff like that, you know, I don't really believe in like CP grinching. I don't think it's like a bad thing because, you know, uh, if you want to earn those points, you have to beat these strong players, the ones that are kind of like the gatekeepers, you know. You have to beat uh, these, yeah, these players that are going to do well at every event they go to, and so if you aren't beating them, are you really earning it? You know, yeah, you exactly. if they want to play, then let them play. You know, you got to beat them. It's up to you to prove that you've earned it. I I hundred percent agree with that. Um, I mean the the resistance battle kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. I would I would argue that I guess with the Grinching. Yes. Um, because if you get uh six two with somebody who maybe already has their world's invite, but their resistance is better. That situation's pretty bad, but if it was a situation where you played them and they beat you, yeah, you didn't. Did you really earn it? You know? Yeah, yeah. And then, it, like uh, resistance, you know, isn't always in the hand of the player. You know, you can only do so much. Uh, you can't really choose who you play, um, and so just how it goes, I guess. I guess you can, in a way, choose how you play if you choose to win or lose. You know, I could, like if I knew yeah. if I knew Chris <laughs> had won and I didn't want to play Chris, I could purposely lose. But, That's true. You know, there there are ways, but not optimal ways. You know, you're gonna play who the system chooses for you and. Obviously, your best move is always to win, unless it's like the last round or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, I guess now, you know, we've talked plenty about uh, Madison and uh, the things that had happened at it, but uh, we haven't talked about the actual, like, Pokemon, you know, who ended up winning it all and, uh, like, the teams that we saw. So, uh, Andrew Nowak takes it uh, in the end for his third regional win, the second of the season. Uh, proving to be a very strong player uh, just very quickly. Won his first regional just last year in Collinsville and has since won two more. So, yeah, like I had said, total of three regionals. Uh, very dominant player and using, uh, you know, a team that uh, looks, you know, pretty interesting. You know, he's got, I think, at least two or three Pokemon unique to his team alone in the cut. So that's really kind of cool to see uh, Andrew kind of standing out from the rest of the uh, the rest of the people in the cut. Uh, and taking it all in the end. It seems really interesting, actually. Um, by the looks of it, he looks like he's running a Trick Room Nihiligo on it. I mm -hmm. didn't get to actually watch any of the games because I was too busy playing my own games. Yes. So, uh, by the looks of it, it looks like he's a very... He has, like, his two modes. He has a Trick Room mode and his Fast mode. And he's running Faramosa, which we're going to see one other of which with Sam, and I'm sure we'll talk about that soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
the team's structured in a very offensive way, but it has like its own little unique way of keeping itself, keeping its momentum and keeping itself in check by the looks of it. And I actually heard that a big, like a someone who gave this team or gave him a lot of uh, inspiration for his team was Tommy. Mm-hmm. And it does look like a team Tommy would make. It looks very aggressive. It doesn't look like it wants to stop. So it looks like something that even if you have a defensive team, it's going to try to punch holes and it's going to keep trying to punch holes. And I'm sure that's what the Faramosa was for. I'm sure that's what the Nihilego was for. And I even I get I got to see the item on the Bulu. But do you guys know if it was Sword Stance or not? Because I heard a lot about Sword Stance Bulu. I uh, actually am not sure. Sword Stance sounds pretty cool, but yeah, I do not know what the uh, moves were on it. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I wasn't really watching the stream too much. Yeah, you were uh, also busy playing, right? Yeah, exactly. It could work. Sword Stance could very work, very well work because he does have a fake out mode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Hariyama. So a fake out plus sword stance situation could work. Um, the opinion on the team, Danny? My, I mean, uh, looking at the team, it's actually pretty unorthodox. Um, mm-hmm. The first thing that pops out to me are the three psychic weakness. And um, and the it, resists? No resists. <laughs> oh, wait, there are no resists. <laughs> um, I, I definitely want to look back at the replays and see how he went about beating... The yeah, he played Justin. There's only you know, one, and he the, actually played just the top him. eight. Yeah. He did pull that, and he played him uh, twice, I believe, because I believe they did play in Swiss on the first day, yes, which but, uh, Justin ended up winning. Yeah, Justin did win. But uh, funnily enough, I remember hearing like a quote going around over the weekend that Andrew had told Justin, like, I won't lose to you again or something. Like, yeah. he, he said he had it figured out, and he wasn't lying. You know, It did go to three games, but Drew did prove that he knew what he was going to do when he refaced Justin, and... Uh, despite the team's seemingly weakness to psychic, it kind of overcame it. And uh, I mean, it could it could go back to I guess uh, the concept that uh, the team is very offensive mm-hmm. and momentum based, and it could have just been that Andrew was just punching and punching and punching, and eventually he got through. Um, we do know that Justin was running a scarf lele, which I think. Uh, gives him a little bit less flexibility in the, in the matchup versus Drew. While I think it was very good because it outsped both, or it outsped only the Nihilego because of the speed tier he was using. Uh, but it was kind of interesting because uh, if if you guessed wrong, there were a lot of things on Drew's team that could just really like threaten that Lele for big damage. And so once you like lock into a move, or, or if you choose to click Psychic into a uh, protecting target, that Lele is very threatened from the other slot. And so, if Justin wasn't, you know, predicting it correctly, he could have fallen behind in a way like that. So, I'm, I'm looking at these teams, and I'm actually very interested now, because one of the things I like about Bulu is its, a, its ability to just take on some common Pokemon, such as every other Tapu. Bulu mm-hmm. does win one-on-one against every Tapu. And if we see here, there's only one team with a Bulu on it, and it's the winning team. This is the second time Bulu's actually won a regional now. Mm-hmm. Um, Bulu has an issue with Arcanine. And if we see here, there's literally, uh, I think, six Arcanines, right? Yeah, there's six Arcanines in this top cut. And this issue is bad unless you have, you know, the solution of Nihilego, Araquanid, and then he has his own um, his own Arcanine as well. Not to mention Special Feramosa, which Arcanine was... does not live Z-Focus Blast unless you are running a crazy EV spread. So I mean, even, even Hariyama in Trick Room mode. 
if that's uh, Flame Orb, which I would assume it is, mm -hmm. Close Combat's going to do a lot to that. Yes, yeah. So, what I'm trying to say is he has, like, a lot of these answers for these comps seeing right now, because he also has the the uh, Arcanine and the Feramosa to help against his... And actually, I guess in that sense, he also has the Hariyama, and he can sub trick him and deal with that, too, for uh, Kartanos. And I'm just looking at the, everything we're seeing here, and a lot of teams aren't actually really looking like they're prepared for a Raccoonid in Trick Room. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess Gigalith helps, but there's actually only one, surprisingly actually, there's only one Gigalith in mm -hmm. Top Cut, and that was actually the one team he played too. That's it. And he ended up beating it. It's well, funny that you mention uh, that the uh, the Trick Room mode in the Raccoonid, because uh, from what I had seen... Drew was just bringing these first four Pokemon in the list here. Bulu, Nihilego, Feramosa, Arcanine. He just kind of stuck with that core the whole time. And, uh, you know, he would mix up the leads and so. Uh, but I had actually never seen Hariyama or Arcanine come out of him. I didn't catch anything of his Swiss matches because I was playing in the first day. But in the second day, while I was watching stream, Drew was just rolling through people with this core four that he seemed to have. Um, a lot of people have been talking about the the two beasts on his team, Nihilego, Feramosa, just being such a damaging and scary combo. Um, he had the berry on Nihilego, so not running the most offensive variant, like Life Orb or something, but just the combination of their sheer offense proved to be like really hard to deal with, uh, especially either in the early game, taking away KOs uh, and trading, I guess, for valuable Pokemon, or in the late game when you had no more switch-ins to such high damaging moves. I mean, probably the scariest thing about playing Ultra Beast in general is the Beast Boost ability. So you don't necessarily have to have the most offensive Nihilego. Mm -hmm. If you can score a knockout, get a special attack boost, and then sweep from there. Um, a lot of that can be just proper positioning and just proper chipping. Getting a knockout, and then all of a sudden you blow through the rest of the team. It's funny that you mentioned Beast Boost, because that's a perfect segue into Sam's team, Dr. Uh, Fidgets. I actually have something to mention right now. So I didn't even think about this, but... So, Dr. Fidget's running a team of six UBs, and I actually ran a very similar team early on in the format. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I, even though I thought it was, like, cool and it was super offensive, and if you played it right, you would always just uh, rip through teams in one to, like, probably, like, what, three to four turns, maybe, at yeah. most. Uh, I always thought the main thing about that team was the Pheromos and Nihiligo combo, because mm -hmm. they're so offensive and they're so fast, and they actually cover each other really well. Yeah, and now I realize that Andrew actually had the same two, mm -hmm. so maybe there's something in there because a lot of teams are going slow off, uh, slow bulk, or they're going fast offense, mm -hmm. and not a lot of teams have that bulk anymore to take on something like a Feramosa plus a Nihiligo duo, and that might be why Samuel actually did so well this weekend, and actually top cutting with six UBs of all things, a Guzzlord. We never, th I never thought to see a Guzzlord in top cut. Yeah, I remember talking to him, and he said that uh, you know he didn't he didn't regret uh, not having Buzzwool, and he had only brought Guzzler to like a couple of matches, like one or two. But he said that when he brought it, like it really shone, and like in the team matchups that it was like built for, it really you put in the work. Um, so yeah, just a really quick to mention, he was missing just Buzzwool. There are seven UBs in the, uh, the decks, or I guess just in existence right now, and so we got Celesteela, Guzzlord, Cartana, Nielago. Uh, Feramosa and Zerkatry. Uh Lots of just hard-hitting offense, and um, I mean, while you don't have a whole lot of uh, variation because all these Pokemon have pretty much every single beast has an Achilles heel, except Celesteela. I mean, when you take away a little bit of speed, it doesn't care. <laughs> Celesteela is just kind of ridiculous. But all the other ones, you know, have some kind of like Achilles heel where, you know, like an obvious flaw, an obvious weakness that you can exploit. And 
uh, it seems that apparently they kind of cover each other, and you, if you just throw them all together, um, despite uh, also the team having six of the same abilities, because all mm-hmm. every single yeah. beast has beast boost, but that means you know every time that you take a knockout, you get a boost. Yeah, exactly. And you know if you want to win in games, you're gonna have to take some knockouts. But that means you know if you can just take knockouts, you know play offensively, you're gonna start rolling. You know, pick up one KO early, and even if you end up losing a beast in the process, you have another beast at plus one. And when you have things with such amazing offensive stats, it can be really dangerous. I think this is actually like... I'm afraid to say this because I I don't want this to be the case, but I'm going to say it anyway because, you know, I'm a man of the people, so I tell the people what I think. <laughs> oh, no. Um, if there's one thing I see from this top cut it, and from watching like the teams that we saw, it's that everyone's... It seems like everyone's more going toward... Or the teams are doing well, at least, are moving more towards the... I'm going to go aggressive, I'm going to hit hard, hit fast, and I'm going to force you to play my game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the best example, besides the 60Bs, which is literally just all offense, besides the Sully, but even Sully, I don't know what kind of Sully he ran. He could have ran autonomized for all I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, besides, besides that, like, I'm pretty sure there are at least two Skydrop uh, Cocos. Yeah. And the most notable one I saw was Justin Karras, who... With Sky, you actually got. Yeah, actually, I got the full face of it yeah. at least twice. You know, <laughs> Justin did it to me, and then I played Mike Soleski using the same team later. So I, I know, I know what you're talking about. But Sky uh, Drop, the Sky Drop plus the Sword Dance, because they're both so fast that I mean, Sword Dance from Cartana. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because then all of a sudden you drop it, they can't protect. The Cartana is going to get a kill. It's at plus three now, and depending on what they dropped, it's like you could lose something big. Yep. Like Arcanine. Arcanine's supposed to be the counter to Cartana. If they sky drop it sword stance, it's dead next turn. It's gone. Yeah. And Yeah, there's not really a whole lot you can do, especially when uh you know, you have a free slot to target into. When you're sky dropped, you can't protect. Exactly. And so yeah, if 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 your Arcanine is lifted into the air, that uh is probably not gonna end well for you. You know, your Arcanine is trapped in and unless you have something else to threaten the Cartana on the field, uh which a lot of teams don't, you know, they kinda solely rely on Arcanine to deal with Kartana and maybe hope that like they're getting enough damage with uh, the other things through like chip um, yeah you uh, are going to lose things to boosted Z moves being such a huge uh, part of that the kind of team just um, sky drop plus Z fighting are really cool we actually saw uh, Ken also have that on his team yes. um, and uh, I'm actually- funnily enough Ken also used uh, fake PG in a way but with a G <laughs> asterisk G because it wasn't actually Gigalith that a lot of people talk about, the fake PG. Um, it was Garchomp, but uh, also using uh, that same combo that we saw Justin Karras use. It's interesting because if you look at all the... So, we were just talking about how Cartana is, like, people are relying on the Arcanine for it. Mm-hmm. I actually... I don't know how many are exactly Assault Vests, but I know at least three of them are Assault Vests in Top Cut. So, we have three Assault Vests... Uh, Coco's on top of that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that most of them are running HP Fire. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure people are now leaning towards HP Fire Coco for their Cartana matchup, and so they're giving themselves extra faster answers, and that might be something that we have to look into to deal with these faster teams, because in the end, the best way to beat a fast, uh, a fast Pokemon that's frail is to just either outspeed it and KO it, or underspeed it but be bulky enough so that way you can live the hit and KO it and it seems to be that we're having a hard time actually living these hits now because of the sword stance because of the Z move and people are figuring out all these new little 
special techniques, like if I helping hand, I'll KO you with a all pumbling now. Yes. And stuff like that. So it's actually, it might be interesting because Coco, the Pokemon that was known for being life orb and fast and hitting hard, is now becoming the support Pokemon that like it fills like all these little almost like thunders. Yeah, almost like thunders in a way where it just fills all these little rolls and it can still do the damage because it has the electric terrain. Yes. And yeah. then if it doesn't have the electric terrain, it can volt switch out. So it's mm-hmm. like it's becoming such a support Pokemon. I was uh, you guys are talking about it being like thunders. I almost think of it as kind of like uh, Raichu from last year, like Wolf's Raichu. Raichu too, yeah. You know, just having so many things that it can be doing on the field to support the team. Um, and something else that I wanted to mention, you know, you're talking about Hidden Power Fire being something that a lot of people are using to deal with Kartana. It seems that, like, every meta kind of trends to a, uh, like a, something like that. Like, while Kartana isn't the number one Pokemon in usage, uh, we saw in the past, like, format, you know, Gar- Groudon yeah, would get HP watered. <laughs> and so, like, you know, because Groudon is such a threat, you know, it's worth it to run a Hidden Power type solely for it. And then you say you saw in years before that HP Ice, you know, for Landorus being number one, and then before yeah. that HP Ice for Garchomp being exactly. such a big threat that year. And so, you know, it, once Pokemon start to trend towards the very top, that's when you see like the hard counters uh, come out. You know, a lot of these very strong Pokemon do have exploitable weaknesses. Kartana has a very obvious one in being a quadruple weak to fire and hidden power being so easy to cover with it. So. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of cool to notice that it's you know it just keeps happening over and over again. You know, no matter the format, we're gonna find something that's gonna do well and have yeah. some kind of exploitable weakness. So just tack on a hidden power. Remember back in 2014 when you'd have a Garchomp and they'd have a Kangaskhan, you'd be like, oh, they had to take a lot of damage, and then they'd Ice Beam you. <laughs> I don't remember too much Ice Beam Kang. I've been Ice Beam before. <laughs> there was Ice Punch for a little bit too. Well, that was 2015. Yeah, that's 2015. Right? Yeah, that was 2015. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, that that's yeah, real funny. Good and times. <laughs> I think uh, I think one of the things that I noticed here was that the top eight actually didn't have a fake PG team, which happened to be pretty prevalent before Madison. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right. Um, th- I see variants of it. Like Justin had Lake PG. Yeah. Um, for Tapu Lele. And I see variants of of other teams. Uh, Ken had a variant. From what it looks like, except he didn't have the Gigalith. Just the wrong G, you know. Yeah, he, just, he just misspelled Gigalith. I guess. Yeah. I guess that's the fake PG of the top cut. <laughs> it is. It's still there, you know. The, if you're talking just straight letters, fake PG is still here. But um, Garchomp's not Gigalith. One team worth noting, I think, is uh, Terry Hong's team, which is a variant of Hayden McTavish's team. Yes. He actually yeah, replaced right. the uh, Garchomp, I believe, with Coco, mm-hmm. and yeah. I'm not sure what item he was running on that, but it looks like he could have very well done that Sky Drop. Yeah, Swords Dance Cartana tech as well, um, uh, while still having a similar team to Hayden's, which was the Curse Slacks. Um, I know that the Marowak was fast for Tailwind, mm-hmm. um, so it, it looks fairly offensive. Yeah, it's really weird to think you know you see a team with uh, Dimension Mons, uh, you know, Feeny, Cartana, Mandibuzz, Marowak, Snorlax, and then a Garchomp rounding out the team, and somebody looks at that and says, you know, like. Coco could, you know, maybe be better here. I don't really know Coco and Garchomp, but it could have very well been something of his own, you know. Uh, like, uh, we're seeing a lot of teams becoming, you know, very standard. We talk about fake PG being all over the place. And, you know, when so many people come up with, like, fake PG, um, you got to imagine that not everybody came together and said, you know, let's all use fake PG. A lot of people might have reached it in different ways through testing different things. And so Terry's team could have been his own kind of flavor and just ended up looking a lot like it. Because, yeah, like like I mentioned, Coco doesn't seem too similar to Garchomp. But I do know the item on that Coco, because he had a, a very famous turn on uh, stream 
but uh, he had a Z nature power, and oh. so he was Normalium on it with nature power to run with his Coco and run with his uh, Feeny, which is a cool uh, combo you get to see. But uh, he played against Drew in top four, and there was a big turn where he went for Z nature power as Bulu had switched in. Ooh, and went God. for a nice bloom doom into an Arcanine, and so yeah, the Arcanine. How much Ar- did that end up doing? It actually did like twenty five percent. You know, it's still <laughs> it's still, it's still terrain boosted. You know, you got to consider that. You know, it's that's a funny. it's an energy ball. So I think that's like a one sixty base power Z move plus terrain. Arcanine took it really well, but I mean, it's still like all right damage. And uh, Terry did end up losing to Drew. I mean, Drew won the whole thing, but. That was a really funny turn uh, to see it backfire, especially considering, uh, you know, you see Lele and, or not Lele, you see Coco and Feeny, I think, most often nowadays, uh, at least uh, in tournament top cuts. And so it, it's normally not going to backfire you go, for you going for uh, nature power with a Coco on the field or a Feeny on the field. But uh, in that situation, it did, uh, and that it backfired hard. <laughs> yeah, I was actually told... I mean, I, I believe the main like the main people who started the trend of nature power mm-hmm. were the Smogon crew. Oh, Smogon crew. And I talked to them a little bit, and they actually said that they kind of stopped using it because of its inconsistency. Mm-hmm. And I actually understood that in a way because I felt that it was kind of hard sometimes to keep your terrain up. Because there would be times where I wanted to go for like the Z Twinkle Tackle, and I couldn't go for it because of the situation I was in where I didn't get the Moonblast off or... I wanted to go for Z Thunderbolt, but I couldn't because my terrain was gone at that point. Yeah, so yeah. So it makes a lot of sense to me. But at the same time, I mean, it worked for me. Got top four. So I actually don't expect nature power anymore. So when I get nature powered, it's like, whoa, what just happened? I got thrown off big time there. My Garchomp was supposed to live a Dazzling Gleam, not a Moonblast. We and, saw in yeah. some regional cuts, you know, people running Ferium Z Coco. I feel like we saw that pretty popular like a couple months back. Paltua. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Paul Georgia. Chua was running that but then you know like paul chua has been coming a huge advocate for now electrium z yes uh being able to you know just take out arcanines and you know doing huge damage to anything neutral to electric or especially super effective and so um you kind of get the best of both worlds with this uh and to boot the twinkle tackle is uh stronger i believe in base power just because you're using moon blast yes. instead of dazzling yes. gleam so it's really cool. Obviously, you like you had mentioned, Chris, you need a lot more control to be able to pull it off, and there are situations where one is going to be better than the other. But, yeah, Terry really proving that Z Nature Power uh, is a really like uh, worthwhile uh, option to consider. And um, it's really cool that it ended up working out, because I really like the concept of Nature Power in this format, being able to go for uh, you know different types of moves depending on the terrain, which is you know the name of the format this year. I guess something else interesting to mention is, so going into this format, we actually thought that one of the biggest Pokemon was going to be P2. And P2 is still big, it's still around, it's on fake PG and stuff. However, a lot of teams are starting to run things like Toxic to beat out these stallier teams too. And if you notice here, there's actually only three Porygons. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that might be because people are running Toxic on some random Pokemon. Like, I saw Toxic on Arcanine a few times. Yeah. And other people are running P- Toxic on their P2, and it becomes a Toxic Stall War. And then other people are just running Taunt. So people are running, like, all these different options that, like, kind of hurt the P2. I mean, good example. Justin Karras has Sky Drop plus Sword Stance. Sky yeah. Drop to P2, can't switch out. You can take KO next turn, they don't get Trick Room. Yeah, and then he also benefits from Trick Room too because he has the Gigalith, which is probably why we see like three Curse Slaxes probably, and then a horse too. We see a Mudsdale, 
So that might be that's interesting. And Harry Helm actually. Now I think about it. I actually don't think that uh, Kazuki's team, the number eight, was a uh, Chris Lex. It doesn't look like it. Yeah. Oh, it's par- I just it's paired with the Mimikyu. You know, you know what you expect with Mimikyu. Oh, never mind. I just saw the Mimikyu so, uh, there. I, I think that's a belly drum. Yeah. That's interesting. That's like, that's a pretty common team from back in the day. That's pretty interesting that he actually did so well with it. Uh, if I mean, if he played a line of people that weren't prepared for Mimikyu Snorlax, which I mean, that's that's the name of the game with those kinds of teams. If they're not prepared. Belly Drum Snorlax just blows through a team. Yeah, it it's great for those early rounds of regionals, you know, just psych up your plus six and just kind of, you know, attack with very strong and, you know, hard to take down Pokemon. And the other four that we had mentioned were uh, Coco, Celesteela, Arcanine, Garchomp, just a very common core uh, that we've seen around. Um, I think it's even mentioned in, like, a Trainer Tower article, just a, like, the, as this, like, good stuff's kind of core, you know, you're taking three of the top Pokemon and then one of the bulkiest Pokemon in Celesteela, just smashing them all together. And they're going to work, you know, and so if you add it with a, a duo, we've seen, uh, like, I know like, Salamanis, Patrick Smith ended up cutting with this at an earlier event, and uh, I know we've seen it at least a couple of times before that, so uh, I don't know, just you take a lot of the best Pokemon in the format and, you know, add them to a very threatening duo, you're going to end up with some good results, I'd say. You know, something I wanted to mention, since it applies to all of us in terms of the Madison Regional, is we all used the same team with, you know, our minor tweaks here and there, but uh, all four of us, or all four of us, uh, all three of us were streamed at the event uh, for anybody that uh, hadn't watched it, but if you did, you would notice that all three of us had the same six. Um, We were all on stream at some point. Chris was even on stream twice. Uh, we had a very, you know, impressive record of one in three on the stream, <laughs> which means all of us lost. Chris, you know, ended up winning in his uh, second, or no, won in his first shot on stream. You know, proving that the team is at least, you know, somewhat valuable. <laughs> Didn't make any cut, but, you know, I'm sure we made an impression on all the stream watchers because they're like, what is this team? You know, is and so, like, a lot of people are probably thinking, like, you know, what what is going on? Like, did they work together and stuff? We did, you know, we're all together. You, If you're listening to this, it might seem pretty obvious now you can put all the details together but we did work on it the team is called tcg fam because that's just the acronym and vgc players love acronyms you know uh and so that's uh the one that i ended up working out for it um so it is uh, i guess since i'll mention the full six it was togedemaru celesteela garchomp um and then feeny arcanine mandibuzz to spell out tcg fam and uh yeah we all ended up using it and so the concept that i wanted to talk with you guys uh, since it's something somewhat new to me, but uh, I've done it before, is using the same team as another competitor at uh, an event. You know, we all brought the same team. We all knew we were going to be there, but we all brought it anyway. Uh, so this is actually something I have done quite a few times. I am not usually someone to use someone else's team. I usually build my own teams, and I'm not calling you out, Danny, but Danny... <laughs> <laughs> You're totally calling him out. <laughs> Danny, Danny likes to use my teams... And, I mean, obviously, it's good. It's cool because when you have someone else using your own team, you both, you get, like, different, like, sides of, like, how it's used. Because Danny and I aren't the same player. Danny and I play different. I, I see games differently than Danny sees games. So, uh, for most of these events I've been going to with Danny, Danny and I have used the same team, and we've come out of it with different results depending on whoever does better. Sometimes Danny does better. Wow, sometimes that I sounds do amazing, Chris. <laughs> Just that concept of silly, like 
you know, we get, we, uh, sorry, I'm just mocking you because, because I can, but you said we both get different results depending on who does better. And I'm like, well, yeah, that, that is normally how it goes, right? <laughs> well, no, I'm getting, I'm getting mocked again. I'm getting, mo getting mocked all day. I, I'm known for mocking Cristanzo because, you know, that's, that's just how we are. But anyway, sorry to interrupt you, Chris, um, go back on. You were talking about how, you know, the, you guys get different uh, results yeah. with the teams. And so, uh, before I go into that, I guess I should say that Danny and I did use the same exact version. We had no differences. You mm -hmm. did use different spreads than us. Yeah, yeah. Our spreads had different. Our our spreads we had different motives with them. Yes, such yes. Such as like our finnies were different. I know that our sullies were different. Mandibuzz too. Mandibuzz was different. But... Togi was different. We put the four in different spots. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the four EVs left over. Uh, the teams were the team itself. Even though none of us top cut, I mean, I came pretty close. I got yeah. top sixteen. And I you in a way got, bubbled, you know. Yeah, you, but you I got top sixteen at two events, at two regionals with this because like, I used it back in Virginia. Oh too. yes, yes. I used the same exact six, no changes at all, despite thinking about changes. I didn't change it, and overall the team was really cool. I'm not one to really think about using a team with double steel or any double typing unless it's flying, mm -hmm. and then I have earthquake with it. But this team, it we it did was, have double flying. Also. We did also have double flying. <laughs> yeah, earthquake. you mentioned it. <laughs> Uh, the team itself was amazing. I'm sure Danny would agree. Danny got quite a few points with it too, and I know you got your in you sealed your invite with it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, using the same team as someone is it's interesting because it's kind of scary because I know Danny. What happened was Danny actually played a lot of people I played in Virginia, so there's like I think at least two or three rounds where I would I would have played someone last round, and Danny would be like, okay. I, you just played him. What does he have? What like? What was your plan? What was your thought process? Because going into it, you might think, oh, well, that gives Danny an edge. But he already knew everything that, on Danny's team that I brought. Mm -hmm. So at that point, it's kind of like it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic, and that's the scary part because Danny could have played someone, and then I could play them, and then I'm like, well, now they know my like the strategy behind it, mm -hmm. and they might have a plan if they ever fight us again. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny. My round seven opponent from. Uh... Madison, when I sat down at the table, actually said, oh, I played Chris Danzo earlier. I know exactly what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. yes, and yes. Um, I had to react to that. Um, we have the luxury of that Chris and I play a different style. So it's not a game. A game, even though we play the same team, a game between us is not going to be exactly the same. Um, I, I always think that I like to think that I play a little more offensively than Chris does. Mm -hmm. Um Chris is more into locking down positions, where I'm more into uh, creating offensive pressure and then adjusting accordingly from there, hopefully taking something out in the process. Um, so even though we use the same team, same spread, everything, um, our games were probably very different. Like a good example, like I could 4-0 someone and then Danny could come in and say I just barely won, or Danny could lose to someone and I could beat someone, like example Ashton, we both played Ashton in the regional, mm -hmm. Danny ended up just barely losing to him on stream, and it was a really good set, and Danny just barely missed out on it, I ended up 2-0ing Ashton, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I'm not trying to call out Ashton or anything, Ashton's a good buddy of mine, mm -hmm. but it just shows how different it can be, I mean... You play. I know it's different players. You played Justin Karras on stream, and you just barely lost to him. Danny played Mike Selesky, who used the same team as Justin, actually. And Danny actually 4-0 swept him. Yeah, yeah. Convincingly. So it sometimes depends on the player. Cause like, Absolutely. 
I mean, you play. I'm sure you play differently than me and Danny because mm-hmm. you have your own unique thought process to the game too. Like it's very unique how you think of the t- game and how you look at things. Yeah. So I would argue like, it's a, that way for every player. Yeah. yeah so well, you know, you give the same six to anybody. No, I, I'm not like joking. It's just you know, if you give the same team to everybody, it's not going to be played the same way. Exactly. So it's it's cool because you get like different like example. Danny and I were. Because we're using the same team, we can ladder together. Danny, if Danny watches one of my games, he gets ideas based off of it, and then he we like thought, talk about thought processes and everything going into it. And it can hurt, it can help, depending on like where your head is during that situation. Because obviously, I there's some there's sometimes where I have something in my head where like I'm like I want to make this read, but mm-hmm. Danny's like, no, if I do this, then it's a lot safer. And sometimes it works out for one of us, but then like we can learn from that and be like, why did he think that? And so, using the same team, it's interesting. It's really, I I like it, but at the same time, it's scary. Yeah. And what were you gonna say? I was gonna say that um, I actually like the idea of us being able to to ladder together with the same team mm-hmm. because it, between the three of us, we can each tell each other. Oh, this worked for me. This did mm. not work for me. Mm-hmm. And discuss it and talk the matchup out and plan accordingly. So that for future reference, let's say you played something and you tried something and it happened to work for you. You let me know. Maybe I didn't know about it. Well, now I know and I have a plan if I approach that team. You cover so many more options in practice if you are running a team with other people. You know, you, when everybody, when all, like the, all three of us are using the same team and we all practice, you know, we're going to fight different people. We're going to fight people who maybe have seen the team again and like played it a different way and so uh, you're going to learn how to play against people who don't know the team people who do know how to play the team and we're just going to find all kinds of different strategies that maybe the other players didn't even get to experience in practice and so that's a really huge plus of it and obviously when you trade and share that feedback with each other the team grows in strength and you know you can tweak it adjust it and that's why uh, team building with other people is really a huge plus and it's great to you know find people to work with um especially like ones that share your style at least close enough that you guys can use the same six so that you guys can bounce ideas off of each other and find what works and what doesn't. Um, it's actually very interesting because going into building this team, I've been I've been working on a team similar for a while. Mm-hmm. I had, at one point I started with Lele and I was like, I don't like Lele that much. I don't, personally, I'm not a big fan of Lele. I'm still trying to figure out how to make it work. So I went back to Finney and I was liking Mandibuzz. And because... Uh, how I am as a person in a way. I, I'm kind of OCD about specific things sometimes. And one of the things that I'm kind of bad with is putting two of the same type. Yeah. So I thought about putting Celesteel on the team for a while because it was kind of like it helped with the Garchomp matchup and it like kind of solidified a lot of things. But after like debating on it and having my team builder and everything, I actually ended up going against Sully for a little bit mm-hmm. and going with Ninetales. And you saw me use Ninetales actually. Yeah. And you were like, this team is very interesting, it's very similar to mine, and you came to me and you said, you, if you want to, you can try my six, and I saw you had the Sully, and I was like, I was a little iffy, because like I said, I'm not very good with just putting a team on with two of the same typing, because I feel like I'm not getting as much out of it, mm-hmm. but then, I mean, you definitely showed me, because after testing, I ended up sticking with it. Yeah, It's like something I shouldn't worry about, and obviously if I was team building by myself, I would never have I probably wouldn't have tested it because I, I'm a big theory person. Oh, and when of something like comes in that's like it's like brilliant in my head, I'm like, this is perfect. That's when I start testing. And a lot of the time it's like I'm I feel like I'm 
giving up a lot because I'm holding myself back because of like things like obviously having to do the same type. So that's one of the benefits of having people team building with though. They they give you more ideas. They can they give you they basically can just bounce off like your thought process and help you improve something that is already good and make it great. And I feel like that's what you did. And I feel like as we uh, uh, start working out like matchups and Danny and I started like talking about like spreads and everything, it came out to what the team was, which was the team that actually got me almost half my invite mm -hmm. and you know, solidified my invite. And I'm very happy with the team. And I think it's probably one of the best teams in the format right now. Mm -hmm. Even though it did not get the results we wanted to, there were a few things that were in our way yeah. going in. But in the end, I think it performed great. Like I said, two top 16s. Yeah. I think got two top 32s. It's got a lot of PC uh, I got top results. I see results. Yeah. I got an IC result with it too. It did a lot for us, and I, I just think it's a really great team. And I wouldn't have been able to get there without team building with you guys, so... I think another thing on top of that um, we should discuss is uh, actually I know that a couple of people ran Justin Karras' team also. Mm -hmm. That uh, Lake PG style team yeah. with the Assault Vest Coco. Um, and it, it's cool It's cool to see how we kind of came up with the idea together. I know that um, with Justin it's more like people uh, people took the team from him like he passed the team. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. And um, I know Justin likes to do that because he likes to get dis different perspectives. Yeah. So while, while we were kind of fell upon our discovery and kind of built up from there, mm -hmm. he c purposely gave it out so that he can get back more information. Yeah. And I thought that that was an interesting concept, too. Mm -hmm. And uh, something I wanted to mention about uh, what Chris had said, you know, he was kind of, you know, scared to use the team because he uh, had already had like a flying type and he already had a steel type. Um not only is Togi barely a seal type, but <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but the the thing that I really wanted to mention is uh, it's just kind of like one of those like uh, like uh, I remember reading an article uh, back on Nugget Bridge in the Bay called like cognitive biases, and while most of them were talking about you know don't be afraid to use the best Pokemon, which I definitely believe you shouldn't be. Like you know if if you see Coco winning every game, use Coco. You know like yeah. you try to play to win. Like that's what people should be doing. But one of the other things that, uh, like Chris was kind of talking about, is don't be afraid to, like, you know, double up on, like, types and use a Pokemon that might not seem right on the team because sometimes it just works. Sometimes, um, like, one team that I don't want to, like, you know, to my own horn or anything, but, like, my regionals team, uh, I just kind of added the Pokemon that I felt like needed to be together, and I ended up with three type overlaps. I had two Steel types in Togedemaru and Celesteela, and I had two Electric types in Coco and Togedemaru, and then two flying types in Celesteela and Gyarados. And so I had a lot of similar type overlaps there, but I felt like all the Pokemon filled the roles that they needed to. And so, you know, if a Pokemon seems right for the job, um, then, you know, just add it and give it a try. And uh, I don't know, just see if, where it goes. If, you know, that, that thing that you were worried about ends up being true, then you learned your lesson. You know, you just you don't play with it anymore. But if you, uh, you know, end up proving yourself wrong and discovering something even better... Uh, it really ends up paying off. I think one thing I want to add on top of that is that type overlap doesn't ne necessarily mean a type weakness. Yes. Um, it does in a way, but for example, in the case of Togedemaru and Celesteela, they actually cover some of their weaknesses. Yes. Togedemaru covers the electric weakness, while Celesteela covers the ground weakness. So now all you have to do is cover the fire. Yes. Um, so even though we had type overlap, it still synergized well. 
Um, so I definitely believe that even if the types tend to overlap, if you cover the options, um, it should be okay. I, I think a good example of that is how prevalent um, uh, Charizard plus Heatran actually ended up getting mm -hmm. in 2015. Oh, yeah, 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 that, that that was a thing. Um, and they actually did, they covered their weaknesses. Um, and even, even in that case, Charizard Y had drought to... Uh, cover the, the water weakness. That's true. I forgot so, about that. That's a good point. And that's in a, kind of in a similar way to Lightning Rod, you know, protecting Celesteela from the electric moves with Togunamaru. Uh, something else that I wanted to mention uh, before we uh, start wrapping up, uh, like an interesting thing uh, was the uh, shirt dilemma that ended up <laughs> happening on stream in the event. Uh, I just wanted to briefly talk about it because it was a fun little thing that made the event uh, unique and uh, although i say fun i definitely don't think it was a really cool thing to do i definitely think it was pretty lame of pokemon but uh leonard craft goes by dwaddle online uh who we've had on the show before uh ended up getting on stream in one of the later rounds and was wearing a charizard shirt which was actually like the official like global link art for charizard and it was made like it was like a i'm pretty sure like an official pokemon shirt but something like the manufacturer was fracturer wasn't like I don't know, like, official Pokemon or something. There was something really weird, and so they ended up pulling him in the middle of a turn to put on the shirt that they make everybody wear if they're not wearing a stream-appropriate shirt, uh, just just to change shirts in the middle of a turn. And I honestly think that that is, like, the factor that puts it above everything else is just the fact that it's in the middle of the turn. The shirt, I think, was definitely something that could have been fine to see on stream, but you can't pull somebody in the middle of the match to change shirts especially something as small as that I yeah don't, I, really I agree at least in between games mm -hmm. if that were the case um i actually thought it was funny because i actually did end up on stream i believe it was round three or four mm -hmm. it was fairly early um and they checked they checked my shirt before i went on yeah so yeah. i wonder if somebody actually checked his shirt and if so if they checked the shirt and said it was okay I don't think it would be okay for them to just pull him and make him wear another shirt. Yeah, they probably checked him beforehand and then maybe got an okay from someone and then somebody else was like, oh, wait, that's not okay. But, I mean, what did they see that they just said, like, that's not okay? It's just a it's just a Charizard shirt. I don't actually know much about this situation, so I don't have much to add, but um, it's kind of... Basically, Pokemon's a game about information, and you got to get everything you can out of a turn, and you got to know what happened and what's going on. So it's like... And you have a lot of concentration going into it. I know when I'm playing, if someone tries to say something to me while I'm playing, it cuts my concentration, I'm done. And then, like, I have to, like, get myself back in the zone. So, I'm, even before games, too, actually, like, I'll sit there, I'll look, and then if someone breaks concentration, I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm, where was I? Where's my thought process? So, like, if someone did that to me in the middle of a game, I'd be, like, in such a weird spot mentally. Yeah. And I feel like it was so, like, that's why I think it's so wrong, because... I don't know what kind of player he is. He's, he actually seems like really, like... Methodical. He's, he's, like... As a person, he seems like he's very, like, easygoing. He's yeah. Like, he's probably, he was probably, like, making a joke out of it. And he's yeah. probably okay with it. But if it was, like, me or something, like, I feel like it would have been a lot worse. I don't know how his end up his end reaction was, though. But however it was, it was, like... Still, I don't think it was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so I just... Yeah, that's really strange to uh, see... Uh, yeah, I don't really know if there's much else to say about it, but I thought it was worth mentioning on the show just because, uh, you know, it's something that happened in Madison, and we probably won't talk too much about the event uh, after this. 
So I guess the last thing that I do want to talk about uh, before we do wrap up here is just that there were a number of uh, world inv world's invites gained over this weekend. Uh, Chris and I had mentioned that uh, ourselves had gotten them, but uh, also over the weekend, Justin Karras ended up getting his through a combination of the Premier Challenge. I guess the same way Chris did it yeah, through the main event, there. through the main event and uh, the Premier Challenge. Plus the IC too. Plus the IC ended up. The IC um, helped him too. Yeah, yeah, Justin did win the IC, which is an incredible feat, so that's really cool. Congrats to him. And uh, then uh, the other person at the event in Madison uh, was Terry, I believe, uh, Terry Hong, who ended up getting top four, which uh, I think he told me was exactly enough yeah, that's to get him his invite. So, he needed top four for his invite, and he actually achieved it. So that's really cool to you know see that goal uh, for an event, especially such a high up goal. You know, a lot of people talk about like, oh, I need top sixteen, top thirty two, or maybe even top eight. You know, but like top four is one echelon higher than that uh i don't know if that's even the right word echelon but anyway <laughs> i'm just throwing out words here then uh also, another tier if we're talking about invites uh i believe drew because of this win he put himself in top eight so now he's in the running for a day two invite yeah which is really impressive yeah that's pretty for that that's really cool for uh him you know proving to be just one of the top american competitors um and Sneaking into that, like, potential day two, you know, a lot of people had given up on that because uh, they weren't on the uh, CP snowball, as we like to talk about it. But, uh, you know, getting into it through only American events, um, you know, we've really only seen something like that from, uh, well, uh, like Nick Navarre, while he did get to ride the CP snowball, he only has one national finish. So uh, it's interesting to use him as an example. And then Ken uh, Ken has not left America. I know that for sure. Uh, so, um, <laughs> Gavin Michaels. And so, uh, and yeah, Gavin Michaels Gavin is also Michaels. a person yeah. up there. Yeah, I think he went to Brazil, but uh, he bubbled, right? He uh, he, he got. He, he, he might have gotten 17. CP though. I think though. he got seventeenth. No, he got. Uh, I think he got seventeenth and missed or, CP. Yeah, yeah. Something. I'm pretty oh, sure. did he miss CP though? I'm pretty sure he missed. CP. Oh, okay, okay. I remember. I remember the Dragon Tail miss. Yes. Oh well, he, he didn't just miss <laughs> CP. He missed Dragon Tail. Oh no. Well, all I'm trying to say is he's right now top eight. And yeah, yeah. He's. I don't think. Like, besides that, he went to regionals and he yeah, went yeah. to other events. So basically, he got his invite through. And I don't know Conan's story, but he's another American. Uh, who, Conan too, actually. Uh, actually, American. Conan got no Conan got CP from London. So okay, okay, but that's just one national finish, like I had mentioned with Nick Nevere. But uh, yeah, so this leads me to wonder, you know, how many Americans are we expecting to see at Worlds? We, uh, like, I know Gavin has been keeping pretty uh, strict, uh, like, watch over it, and so he's you know like paying attention to every American that gets their invite. He tweets about it, you know, every time somebody earns their. Uh, their uh, invite to the world championships. So uh, right now we're looking at about like 30 from America. You know, we're, just we've just hit 29. Just hit 29. Just okay. Hit 29. I was. 29. And so, um, well, did he mention Terry and uh, Justin? You know, uh, he was talking about Terry in the chat. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty sure he mentioned Terry already. Okay, so yeah, then we're looking at you know, just about 30, you know, I'm, I'm going to round up, Chris, you know, okay. 29 is okay to round to 30, yeah, right? That's, <laughs> that's it. But, you know, how many more do you guys think we'll end up getting, like, you know, with only one le event left? You know, we've got some mid-seasons, but really, it's just nationals, so. Well, and re there's one more regional, too. Oh, yes, you know, some people will be going to the Mexico City regional. I keep forgetting about it, you know, it's over for the Americas, but it's not over for everyone, you know. No, there's still people that are going to go out to that, and there's, we might see an invite out of it. We don't know yet. The special event in Ohio as and well. And the special event in Ohio. So there's still stuff going around. I, like, there's still CP to be gained. Yeah, there's still people out there. Like, I know Rajan was actually talking about how he has two uh, mid-season showdown 
uh, spots left. Yeah. And I mean, that's he, worth 100 points right there. That's worth 100 points, and he only needs, what, 80, I think, or something? Mm-hmm, he's, mm-hmm. he's close. He's pretty much there. So someone like Rajan might, or someone like Rajan, maybe, like, Steven, yeah, he might be mm-hmm. able to sneak in there. I know he needs, like, 50 more points, I believe, or something like that. But there's a lot of players that are really close. They're just there, and they just need one more finish. Like, I believe Tristan Medine is also there. So um, we might be seeing a few more sneak in through there. But overall, if we're going to talk, like, how many people are expecting, I've been saying, I've been asked this question a lot already, and I keep saying around, I'm going to say either mid-40s to, like, low-50s, I'm going to assume. Okay. And that, we're talking about just America. Just, just America. for the people, like, you know, if you're wondering, if you uh, didn't catch it all. But, yeah, we're gonna, we're just talking about America. Um, we don't follow the European scene as intensely, but... Uh, you know, I, I'm sure people who uh, discuss that more have like a good idea of what we can expect from the other three regions. Danny, what are you thinking? Uh, I'm thinking that it's going to be interesting to see how many people actually have to run that internet gauntlet. I know everybody's trying to avoid it. Yeah, uh, and like a lot of everybody people, I've been talking to has at least. You keep hearing people like say like you know the goal is to get top 64 internets because we know the top 128 is not going to happen. We need 500 something people to get it, and we we can't really expect it. So there are a lot of people. You know, saying I want to get like top sixty-four internets. You know, the lowest CP margin uh, to get their worlds invite, and so that means there's going to be a lot of people gunning for it, like you had mentioned. You know, getting through that gauntlet. Which yeah, harder. <laughs> it actually makes it scarier too, because if you have a bad day, that just ends the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I know my plan at least. I haven't gotten my worlds invite yet, but I'm trying to put myself as close to that position as possible and hopefully not rely on Nats. Um, well, I'll, I'll have to see how my next few events pan out. Yeah. But it's definitely a scary thought for me, knowing that I could very well have to play this out at Internets and hope for the best. It's just mm-hmm. scary because you got to keep in mind that's where the best of the best players are, and no one's going to, well, unless you're, like, really good friends with them, Everyone wants that day two invite. Everyone wants that, like, what? I don't know how much it's going to be for the prize money, but yeah. everyone wants that prize money. Everyone wants that for skip that. Yeah, money. skip the day two. Yeah. So skip no one's one. really going to be, like, feeling bad for you unless, like, they're really good friends with you at that point. It's like, no one's going to feel bad for you. Yeah, no you're not going to get sympathy when You're once. not getting sympathy. You're getting all out from, Plus like, that the entry top, fee. top players. You know, you're paying 60 bucks to go as far in that tournament as you can. Exactly. And it's so. not even like you're fighting typical American players too, because they're also flying yeah. Europeans. Yeah, the exactly. best of the best from the other regions are coming to this. That's gonna. Be, I wanted to mention that. That's gonna make this international different. Uh, well, different than our past nationals. Yes. Than that what we had experienced in past years. You know, we have some seriously strong competitors coming from overseas, and that's gonna make it even harder. You know, round one you could face uh, somebody Marcus. who's got yeah, Marcus <laughs> like Stad. No, I don't even want to think about that, man. That's, <laughs> facing Marcus round one, you know. Somebody Hobby. has to do it at every tournament. Nah. Somebody has to play those players at every tournament. That's rough. They you don't want to be that guy. They could also play each other. It's big for a lot of people. Uh, like No one's safe. For all we know, someone from Europe could just come in and just get their invite. Wolf could very well just win internets. He's mm-hmm. good enough. He's like... Done it before? He's, yeah, he's, he's hungry too. Like Hungry like the wolf? Yeah, he's hungry <laughs> like the wolf. There's a lot of people that are like... Are coming into this like I'm gonna win this. This is I'm gonna get that day two. I'm gonna go straight in, and I'm gonna prove that I'm like a top player. And it just you're gonna have to play really hard in that. And there's a lot of people I know who can do it, but 
Pokemon's a very scary game, and in the end, it's gonna come down to whoever comes up with the best medical and is playing that the, their game that day. So, I that's why I think it's such a cool feat to be able to get that day that day one invite at least before internets, mm -hmm. because you don't have to worry about the gauntlet. Instead, you can kind of just prepare yourself for nas nationals and prepare yourself to maybe soar above everyone else yeah yeah find that medical like you had said medical. you know take a little bit more risks instead of having to play it safe just trying to earn cp you know exactly. really try to like soar high above the competition uh before we do wrap up danny do you have a, a number of americans you're thinking for worlds i don't know if you actually ended up saying one um i haven't actually been watching the number yeah, of invites yeah, as been closely it, so uh, i've been more concerned with uh i guess tournament results instead yes, of yeah, the actual yeah. number but i would assume that around 50 would be a an accurate number mm -hmm. i would maybe guess 50 to 60 yeah yeah because i i believe um i would hope that most of the top 64 are people that actually need it yes uh, you know and i'd like i'd like to see that ideally um i'd like to see a lot of my friends get that that invite that they've been fighting so hard for it's the culmination of a whole year of of work you know doing american events traveling a lot um so that's that's what i'm hoping for for myself and for for other people going through that struggle, that grind. I'm gonna go, you know, like a, a little bit more towards the high end, like uh, you had said, just maybe like you know around 60 is what I'm thinking. Uh, that means a lot of people are going to have to wrap up because considering we're only halfway there, but you know we've got several events that I mentioned, mid season still to go, uh, the special event, uh, another regional and uh, nationals, which will reward a lot of CP. So, you know, some big events left to close that final gap for people. And I really think that people are going to be able to make it. So I'm leaning towards 60. You know, early in the season, uh, I was thinking it was going to be, like, towards 70. And so, uh, yeah. I don't know. I just, like, I was, was thinking just... towards, like, 30, dude. I just... <laughs> the bar is, the bar no, is I'm not talking hard. early. I'm not talking about early, early. But I was thinking, like, 70. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, we're looking at this 50 range, and I feel like that is bigger than what people had thought at the very beginning when they saw that 500 in the that payouts. Than no, I thought, like. But all right, yeah, we're uh, we're kind of babbling on. So uh, hopefully you guys are still paying attention to us. We've been talking for quite a long time, and I'm sure we could talk for a whole lot more. So maybe we'll just record a second episode while sitting here with these guys. But uh, I kid. Um, thank you so much to you guys. Thanks to Danny and Chris for being on. Uh, I kind of just forced them in here. You know, they're trapped in my basement uh, against their will. Save so uh, if you, this, this, these are their cries for help. You know. Don't actually call the police, but <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys for uh, being on the show with me. Uh, it was really fun, and I hope you guys enjoyed it too. Because uh, like we've been talking Pokemon all weekend, but you know it's fine. It's nice to uh, kind of structure things and you know really digest some certain topics. I uh, know yeah, it's always uh, this is my second time on here, and I always have a good time. It's always a pleasure talking about like just regionals, just about results. I enjoy. I I'm big on analyzing things, so I enjoy just being able to put what I. What I see into like, I guess the ears, mm -hmm, of what mm -hmm. of the ears of the listeners, the ears of the listeners, and hopefully like they can get something out of it because I I'm a fan of seeing people you know improve and do better. I'm a fan of the stories, so hopefully, you know everyone else enjoyed us having uh, us uh, us being here, and thank you again for having us, dude. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it was my first time on here, but uh, I had a really good time. Like Chris, I think that's why we get along so well. Uh, I also like to analyze things, mm -hmm. uh, just breaking things down, um, simplifying them, and talking them out. And I think I'm hoping that with this episode, we kind of broke something down for the listeners out there. Yeah. Um, hopefully, gave them totally. a better understanding of our experiences through Madison and mm -hmm. where we're at mentally with the game. 
And thank you. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, so that's uh, that'll be it for us. Uh, just remember that you can find us on iTunes, and uh, please uh, give us your feedback. You know, whether it's email or you can send us messages on Twitter. Uh, yeah, we really just want to hear from you guys. Questions, we'll answer them. Uh, I heard it from a lot of people over the weekend at Madison, so shout-outs to all you guys that talked to me. And I'm sure Steven would say the same thing if he was here because I know Steven got to hear it from a lot of uh, the people that listen. So we really do appreciate all of you guys, and talking to you guys is really such a nice experience. Uh, there will be more uh, episodes coming out before Nationals, but you know, do come talk to us at Nationals. Steven and I love to talk to people, so... Uh, if you want to say hi, don't feel uh, afraid. You know, we we want to hear what you guys think of the show, and we love to meet uh, people who are fans. So, uh, I guess that's just about it. Besides, you know, we're gonna go ahead and plug in all our twitters. You can follow me at Super Morioka, but not actually because that's Steven. But still, do follow Steven. Uh, I am at Lexicon VGC, and Chris. People can follow you at. I'm at Chris Danzo. At Chris Danzo and Danny. And- Mine is at I'm Jabberwocky, I-M, and then the word Jabberwocky. Jabberwocky. All right. So, yeah, stay tuned for more, guys. We look forward to giving you more Hyper Voice content. Later. Bye. Bye.